You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. morning. Uh, Today we're going to be in the Gospel of John, John chapter 20. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and be flipping there. We're going to be looking at John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. This morning, as we are sending out this group of seniors, but not only them, but several members of our faith family, we're sending them out as extensions of the body of Christ. For many of you seniors, you're about to experience for the first time in your life what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that is a beautiful thing. It's something that you've been prepared for, you've been discipled, you've been trained for this moment. And right now you have a choice as you head off to college. You have a choice of whether or not you are going to stay committed to your faith over these years. Are you going to stay committed to your faith? If so, a question that you need to be able to ask yourself is, if I'm going to stay committed to my faith, what is it that God wants me to do over these next few years? What is it that he's preparing me for? What opportunities is he going to give me, and am I going to take them? Whenever he gives me a chance to share the gospel, Will I do it? If not, if I'm not going to stay committed to my faith over these next few years, what is it that's in my life that exists in my heart that I need to reconsider right now in this moment? Because these next four years are about to be some of the most tiring, difficult years of your life. But if you let them, they will be some of the most beneficial fruitful, and glorious years of your life. And it all depends on whether or not you stay committed to the faith. College is going to test you, not just academically. You're going to come into contact with people who believe things that are different than what you believe. You're going to run into people who have opposing worldviews from you. Your world is going to be shaken in ways that you can't even imagine. But the only thing that matters, the only thing that can get you through the storms of this life is what your foundation is built on. Christianity Christianity is the only religion that is built on a steady foundation, which is God's Word, Christ. You know that. You have all the head knowledge. You know these things. You believe these things. It exists in your heart. Now it's time to put it to action. It's time to live out your faith in a way that you've never done before. You can do it. This is not something that's meant to scare you. You can do it. As long as you trust and put your faith in Jesus. Today, each and every one of us that are here in this room, 
this sermon is for us, not just these seniors. Because if you are in this room today, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, every time you walk out any one of these doors, you too are entering the mission field. Not just these seniors when they move off to college. Not just missionaries that we send overseas. Each and every one of us have been given the same call, the same mission, the same responsibility in life. To make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that we have been commanded. And behold, as we do these things, Jesus is always with us, even until the end of the age. This sermon is not just for the seniors. It's not just for the ones that we are sending out from our faith family today. It is for each and every one of us this morning. Every single time we walk in the doors of this church, or any church for that matter, we are coming into a place that is meant to encourage us, empower us, And remind us of why we have been sent. Of why we are to live the way that we have been told to. And just like these seniors here today, each and every one of us right now have a choice. Am I going to follow that command? Am I going to share the gospel and make Jesus known wherever I go? So this idea of being sent that we're talking about so much today is not something that's just relevant for one day or one Sunday or one week of the year, but every single second of our lives. If you've got your Bible, let's read our main passage for today. So John chapter 20, starting in verse 19, says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, With the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So some context for this passage, what we're talking about today. This passage is after the resurrection of Jesus. He's already been crucified. He's been buried for three days and he is alive again. What we just celebrated a few weeks ago, Easter Sunday. Jesus is alive. And this passage has always been a fascinating one to me just because of how I read it growing up. At this point, Jesus is alive, and us as Christians today, we celebrate that, we know that. But the disciples at this point in time, they had no idea. They had started to hear rumors that the body was missing, but they didn't know Jesus was alive. Most of them lived by the seeing is believing type of mindset. And they hadn't seen Jesus physically in the flesh again. But this is one of the moments where Jesus starts to pop in and out of the disciples' lives after the crucifixion and after the resurrection. And as a kid reading this passage, it's very funny to me because verse 19 
takes point of noting that the doors are locked, the disciples are hiding, it's like the greatest game of hide-and-seek ever, and one minute Jesus isn't there, the next second, boom, there he is, and he's like, hey guys, what's up? And they all freak out, and they're like, how'd you find us? He's like, dude, I'm, I'm always here with you. But the first thing he says to them in this passage is, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And he, each, he actually says it twice in this passage. Peace be with you. Because the disciples, at this point in time in their lives, were the most terrified, afraid, nervous, anxious, stressed out they had ever been in their lives. They had just watched their best friend that they had spent every single day for the past three plus years walking with him, listening to him, hearing him teach God's word in a way that had never been done before. And all of a sudden, their best friend, this guy who says he's the son of God, has been killed. And rightfully so, they're fearful for their own lives. They're terrified that they're next. That they're next on the hit list. They're about to be scratched off. And they're just going to go missing one day. They're terrified, so they are hiding in fear of the Jews. No one knows where the disciples are right now. They're MIA. Like I said, best game of hiding of hide and seek ever. And all of a sudden, through locked doors, boom, Jesus. Comes into the room, completely flips the script, disrupts the scene, and he has a very short and simple statement to say to them when he does this. First, Peace be with you. He tells them they have no reason to be afraid anymore. They have no reason to be worried or anxious or stressed out, no matter what comes their way when they walk out those doors. No matter what storms or what trials and tribulations they're about to face in their life. He tells them, peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Have courage. And he's saying this to a room full of guys who are about to be sent out as missionaries, the first missionaries, to share the gospel with the rest of the world. And each and every one of them are about to face persecution when they do so. They're about to face a world that disagrees with their beliefs, that hates them for their beliefs. They're about to face opposition, ridicule. So many things are headed straight for them. But Jesus says, peace be with you. You don't have to worry about that. Seniors, you don't have to worry about the next few years at college. Every one of us, we don't have to worry about what's coming our way. Jesus is offering us peace in the midst of the chaos. Peace be with you. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, peace be with you. Hey, don't be afraid. And then just vanish. He says, no. You guys have got to stop hiding. Stop being afraid. Just as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So Jesus is saying, alright, playtime's over. 
It's time to get back to the real work. We've still got a job to do. Stop moping around. Stop worrying, stressing out, thinking about the worst case scenarios. Trust me to get you through it and go. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus is resurrected. He has destroyed and killed everything that we could possibly fear. And now he's telling us to go in faith, follow in his footsteps. So for these seniors and for each and every one of us in this room today, there are a few things from this passage that I want us to take note of. As we are being sent, what does Jesus want us to be reminded of today? First off, I think Jesus wants us to remember and realize that he has sent us with a purpose. He doesn't just tell us to go and wander around aimlessly for the rest of our lives. He sends us with a goal for us to reach. Just as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He is sending us for the same reason that he was sent. To bring hope, salvation, freedom from sin, life, everlasting life to a dying world. Jesus is sending us with that goal. In just a few chapters, or a few passages, Jesus gives these same disciples and even more people the Great Commission. What I just recited a few minutes ago. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. Jesus is sending these disciples out encouraged and empowered to go and make disciples. And that is our responsibility as everyday, normal, regular believers. We are to go, and as we go, make disciples. So Jesus is sending us with a purpose. Second, I want us to remember and realize that Jesus has not sent us out on our own. He has not sent us out on this mission that we call life on our own. Jesus is sending us with the Holy Spirit. If you fast forward just a page in my Bible to Acts chapter 1, you read Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus is giving us the power to do what he's telling us to do. It's not something that Luke Parker can do. It's not something that any of these seniors can do. It's not something that any one of us can do on our own. It's something that we have to be gifted and granted we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to follow Jesus in this way. To go and make disciples. Even here in our main passage, verse 22, 
Jesus breathes on the Holy Spirit and tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. They couldn't walk out of that room without being filled with the Holy Spirit because they were so afraid. So what does that mean for us today? Right now, in this moment, if you are sitting in your seat and you are terrified about what the future holds, welcome to the club. You are not alone. This room is full of disciples who are terrified right now. This room is full of seniors who have no idea what's awaiting them at college. But Jesus is telling us, don't be afraid. I'm sending you out and I'm going to be there with you. I am sending you a helper to be with you, to get you through those tough times, to get you through these next few years, senior. Jesus is going to be right there with you. You already have the Holy Spirit living in your heart if you are a believer. You have already been filled with the Holy Spirit. You are empowered right now to go and make disciples. You are being sent. Jesus is sending you and me and every one of us in this room. We are being sent. Lastly, the last main point that I want us to see from this passage is Jesus has equipped us to be sent. Very similar to being sent with the Holy Spirit. He's not sending us out on our own. We have all been gifted and granted different skills, different strengths, different weaknesses to use for the gospel, the advancement of God's kingdom. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 say this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God has supplied in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has given us everything we need to be sent. He has already given it to us. Students, seniors, these past few years... Every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, every time you open your Bible at home, God has been equipping you for this moment. He has been equipping you to be sent out for Himself. As arms, hands, feet of the gospel, you're about to get first-hand experience on what it means to advance the kingdom of heaven. And there is no honor higher than that. So after hearing this and reading this passage, how does this apply to us? Seniors, how does this apply to you? I've got some practical, real-world application on how to get through college for you, so please do not miss it. Because I was in your seat literally just three years ago. I'm still in the midst of it. I'm still in the mess. So take it from me when I tell you these things alone 
will get you through college. Will get you through life. Cling to Christ. No matter how hard life gets. No matter how stressful college may be. Because it's going to be tough. You're going to have midterms and finals. Every semester. (laughs) You have no idea how stressed out you can possibly be until you hit college. You have no idea how overwhelming life can be until you have to put up with school, work, relationships, social life, trying to balance literally everything. Welcome to adulthood. Right, parents? You have no idea how overwhelming life can be. And you're going to have moments where you feel overwhelmed. And that is okay. Because in the midst of that, cling to Christ. Hold on to Him and only Him, and He will get you through it. You're going to have some tough questions over the next few years, probably, regarding your faith, specifically. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be presented opportunities on whether or not you want and will defend your faith. In saying that, there's a chance that some of you are starting to freak out and stress out and, oh my gosh, what, what's apologetics? I have no idea how to defend what I believe. What do I believe? Why do I believe it? Oh my gosh. You've got the knowledge. You know these things. The only thing that matters is this right here. Anything you face in this life, test it to Scripture. What does Scripture say about it? If Scripture doesn't specifically tell you what to do when you're flunking a class and it's all left to the final, that's okay. Scripture isn't just right there screaming in your face all the time. But it's filled with reminders of what to do in moments where you are overwhelmed and stressed out. Cling to Christ. Psalm 46 tells us that our God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Psalm 46 needs to be your cry for the next few years and for the rest of your life. When you are overwhelmed, when you are stressed out, open up your Bible to Psalm 46 and passages like it. Cling to Christ. Second, Commit to the church. It's going to be very easy over the next few years for you to drift away from the church. You're going to have assignments and projects and deadlines all over the place. It's going to be difficult to keep up. And the easiest thing for you to do is to skip out on church on Sunday mornings or whatever day your college ministry meets. So that you can get this project done. Do not fall into that mindset. There are times where, yes, that is understandable. You have procrastinated until it's too late. If that's the case, that's understandable. Stay home, do good in school. But don't let that become a habit. Commit to the church. Get plugged into a local body of believers. Whether you're staying here at home 
you're going to Gadsden State or you're commuting to JSU and you want to stay at 12th Street, we have a college ministry ready and waiting for you. If you're moving off to school and you're living on campus, if you're moving out of state, find a solid church or body of believers, a Christian community that you can get actively involved in there. If you're going to JSU, I expect to see you at Engage JSU. I've told you guys this for years now. I'm going to be there and waiting to see you, Scott. Stay committed to the church. And if that means you're moving off and you have no idea what to even look for in a church, come and talk to me. I can reach out for you if you need me to. We will get you plugged in somewhere. Build friendships, build relationships, find people with similar beliefs such as yours and surround yourself with brothers and sisters in Christ as you commit to the church. And third, throughout all of college and throughout the rest of your life, come to a point where you are willing to risk it all for the gospel. You've got to be willing to give up every single thing you have in this life if it means advancing the gospel. Come to a point where you're willing to risk it all. There are going to be times, several of them in fact, countless times, where it's going to be so much easier to just blend in. Stay quiet, keep your head down, and just get in, get out as fast as possible. That is not a life that is lived to the fullest. That is not what God has called you to do or any one of us to do in this life, to just blend in, stay quiet, get in, get out as fast as possible. How on earth are you going to share the gospel with anyone if you never open your mouth? You have got to be willing to stand up for your faith, have those tough conversations whenever they approach, and understand that it's okay to not have all the answers. It is not your job to convert your campus, senior. Do not take that stress and weight on yourself by yourself. You are not the only Christian going to college. That is not a weight that you have to carry on your own. Do not. It is not your job to convert your entire campus. Do not get overwhelmed by that, please. But also don't result to the polar opposite, the flip side of that. Don't waste any opportunity to share the gospel. Do not waste an opportunity. Take some risk for the gospel and see what rewards follow. John Piper, I've quoted this guy's probably more times than you care to count at this point. John Piper has a book called Don't Waste Your Life. I would encourage you guys to go to Books A Million, buy it, read it, and then live it. Do not waste your life. In that book, John Piper says that a life that is lived full of risk that have been taken for the gospel is the only life that leads to fullness of joy. The only life that is filled with risk, filled and taken for the gospel, is the only life that leads to fullness of joy. 
take some risk for the gospel, church. Seniors, take some risk for the gospel. Put yourself out there. Don't be afraid of what people may say, what they may think. Chances are you aren't going to see these people again, so it doesn't even matter. Don't waste your life. Don't waste a single moment to make Jesus famous wherever you go, whatever you do. Strive for one thing and one thing only, to glorify God in the way that you live your life. If you strive for that one thing, you will take some risk for the gospel. You will take these chances and opportunities when they come. Glorify God in all that you do. As I start to wrap up, I want to share a personal story for you all. You may have heard it before, either in Sunday morning small groups or on a Wednesday night. I think I've shared it once or twice before. It's a moment in my life that I will always remember because it was the defining moment where I took my faith and put it to practice in regards to how I stood up for the gospel in my life. My fall semester of sophomore year while I was at JSU. It was a Monday night after Engage JSU. At the time, I had an 8 a.m. on Tuesday, so I would spend the night in Jacksonville after Engage on Mondays. We would all go to Waffle House and stay up till 12, 1, 2 a.m. talking Bible. And throughout the course of that, one of the guys in my small group, uh, his name was Jacob, Jacob Pullen. He met a, a guy from Africa who was a transfer student. His name was Benediction. And Benediction claimed to be a Christian. He had moved from Africa, was raised in a church his entire life over in Africa, and had moved to America to come to school, go to college, get a degree, and had ended up at JSU, he, he and his brother. And Jacob, I don't even remember how Jacob met him, but Jacob started inviting Benediction. Hey, you're a Christian, come hang out with us on Monday nights at Engage. Benediction did. And because Jacob had invited him, Benediction ended up at Waffle House on Monday nights. And naturally, conversations happen. You start developing this relationship with him. You start being friends. But as we were talking to him, as we started sharing our faith and talking about the gospel with benediction, it started to become apparent that there were some things, some major things, that we disagreed on when it came to the Bible. I don't have time to rattle them off, but... One that stood out to me personally was benediction belief that miracles don't happen anymore. Um, when I shared my personal testimony of the head injury, how the doctors couldn't explain how I survived with no brain damage, and how I am a living miracle, benediction said, I'm sorry, but no, you're not. God didn't save you. So I was like, okay, um, how do you tackle that? I mean, gosh, that and several other things, theological, like fundamental things in the Bible. And just at first, you go back and forth with him. You have conversations. And the easiest thing to do in those moments, seniors, where you have someone who opposes your beliefs, you hear them out, first and foremost. You don't shut them out. You don't push them off to the side. You hear them out. Because if they feel heard, if they feel like that they are listened to, 
then they come back for more conversations. This is not something that happens in one conversation. That's why you build relationships. It is an ongoing thing. So we would talk with benediction, push back a little bit. At first, he was very defensive whenever we pushed back. He would shut off, cut himself off. That's where the conversation would end for the night, and we'd have to wait till next week. But as we continued talking with him over several months, he became more receptive to hearing us out, to actually open, opening up the Scripture and saying, hey, maybe these things aren't necessarily what the Bible says. Maybe these things that I've been taught my entire life aren't exactly what the Bible says. And unfortunately, the story ends at a bit of a question. We're not sure where the story ends. Um, Towards the end of that semester, it was around October, I want to say, I got a phone call from another one of the guys in my small group, Dustin Mason, uh, who had helped me and Jacob have these conversations with with, uh, Benediction. And I answered the phone, and Dustin said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, Benediction's brother has just gotten back to their dorm and walked in and found Benediction dead. Benediction had apparently suffered from seizures, uh, regular seizures, and that's what the doctors determined ended up taking his life and calling him away from us. And to this day, not a single one of us know where his salvation landed. But the only thing that matters for us, personally, for me, the only thing that's gotten me through that unknown, even in the midst of the hurt and the heartbreak and the God, why? Is the fact that we obeyed. We obeyed God's call. He sent us and we went. We met with benediction. We had those tough conversations. We loved on him in a way that only Jesus can love others. We didn't cast him out, cast him aside, but welcomed him and invited him in time after time after time again. And I have to believe that a seed was planted because of our obedience. For you seniors, for everyone in this room, plant a seed. That's all it takes. And that's where I want to end this morning with a challenge for you seniors. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. You have been sent, so go. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for all that you do. God, for these seniors, as they are being sent out into the world, God, I pray that they would go, that they would obey your commands, that they would stand up for their faith, stand up for the gospel, that they would love others the way that you have loved them first. God, the only way that any of us can get through this life is if we cling to Christ, commit to the church, and come to a point where we're willing to take risk for your gospel. God, I pray that over these seniors. 
I pray that these next four years would be some of the most beneficial and fruitful years of their life. God, as they go and make disciples in your name, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And it is in those names that I ask all these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for families.